welcome to the Eastside Movement Company podcast. I'm Dr. Anthony Arcido, co-owner of Eastside Movement Company. This podcast, we are going to discuss all things health and wellness, dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way you can actually understand. Hello, welcome to the Eastside Movement Company podcast. I am Dr. Anthony Arcido, uh, physical therapist uh, and co-owner of Eastside Movement Company, and I'm super pumped to have on my good friend, uh, David Winger, uh, on the podcast, so thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, Anthony. Um, so, uh, super exciting. Uh, oh. Do you do most people call you David or they call you Winger? I... I respond to many names. So yeah, it, 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 uh, at the Meteor, where sometimes there's three or more Davids there, we go by last names. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. There are a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of days, a lot of D names there. Yes. Um, and so uh, you are coach, uh, fitter extraordinaire. Uh, I feel like you wear a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about your like background in cycling. Like when when did you start? How did you get started? Because like it's definitely a niche sport, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not one that like is typically like offered at a high school or a middle school that sort of thing. Yeah, no, uh, it definitely took a guiding hand uh, from my parents and my parents' friends, where uh, I kind of grew up in a. Uh, athletic family at an extended family that was uh, really gifted in, in a lot of different sports from anything from basketball to like track running uh, but I was terrible at all of those and uh, I, I really wanted to be good but couldn't wasn't there um, and then uh, when my dad was about 40 years old I he wanted to take some control over a changing body and he ended up getting really fit through bikes and I thought it was a great way to connect with my dad and we, we spent lots of time riding and he recognized that uh, and my mom that I, I, I was pretty good at it and got me involved with local clubs and it escalated into racing and things like that during my high school years. Nice and how was the like um, was the like racing scene like fairly robust where you grew up or was it like you know you had to travel like a little bit of distance for like you know bigger races or just races in general? Both where, uh, like, locally, uh, there was, like, the weeknight time trial and, like, the weeknight parking lot criterium that I could get to within an hour. So those were in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, And then for more regional-level competitions, that required extensive travel for for our family to to get to those. Um, But, no, I was able to be exposed to, to competition uh, you know, kind of within 90 minutes of my house, uh, 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 growing up in high school. Yeah. Um, and then it, when I wanted to do more, it meant a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It was like, Oh, like you're going to spend seven hours in the car and need a hotel and all these kind of things that, um, are part of the, you know, the traveling symphony of being a, you know, medium level athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And did you, did you continue to ride in college? Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, I was okay as a junior rider, like, mm-hmm. you know, 15 to 18 year old is kind of what, uh, that's what USA cycling calls a, a, a junior. And, um, like I got to like a category two level, which mm-hmm. is great, yeah. but like, uh, there was definitely like people way above me. Yeah. And then, um, just people growing at different rates my first semester in college 
uh, actually got a lot stronger. So mm-hmm. you know, people that were you know a level above me uh, going into college, like uh, they didn't go to school. Like they just kept racing and stayed at about the same level. And I was able to actually get a lot stronger from having other stuff going on in my life and not like look at my watts per kilo wasn't mm-hmm. a thing then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like having other things going on and, you know, as long as I was interested in riding, I actually got a lot stronger, uh, quickly through college. Nice. And did you, um, did you, was there like a cycling team like at your college or were you just kind of like riding on your own? Yeah. No, uh, it's part of the reason why uh, I went to school where I did. It's Miami university in mm-hmm. Ohio, just North of Cincinnati. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they had a, a great club program there, um, that became, you know, part of like my biggest education in college was learning um like student government and getting involved with like the student government funding board and all these things like through the cycling team and kind of wondering how those mechanisms worked yeah um but yeah there there was a cycling program there uh i still have great friends from it um and uh yeah it's crazy seeing like how creative these people were that wanted to do something else in school other than like, you know, just do their school and party or something. It's like, yeah. I'm going to go to, you know, do, do your class. We're going to go to like crazy champagne, Illinois this weekend and, and come back. Uh, yeah. Really drew a, a neat crowd. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. That has to be a lot of fun. And like, it's fun to like travel at like that age too, like even regionally, like, like with your friends and everything like that. And yeah. you, did you for like, is your, yeah, what did you end up going to school for? Because you came out, I remember you saying you were in like a different career originally, right? Yeah, I went to school, um, like you studying business and public administration and mm-hmm. political science and these things where uh, I thought it would take me in a different direction than bicycles yeah. and, you know, coaching and basically being a workout generator and a therapist. Yeah. That's kind of where I feel like I'm at now. Yeah. And, um, which doesn't have anything to do with, you know, uh, you know, events or, uh, we're, we're talking like driveway just earlier, yeah. things like that. It's really different than mm-hmm. you know, intergovernmental or, or political. It's just like, Hey, like, how are you doing this week? And, uh, how the, the workouts going and adjusting from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're much more on like a, a one-on-one, um, more of like a, almost like a micro level of like your, um, your, your, your quality of time spent with one person is much more than like trying to think of like a big program for a bunch of people that like, you don't have to as much time with. Um, so that's a, that's a, uh, interesting like transition. So like when, so when did you start coaching or like, when did you know you'd even like coaching? Cause like, yeah. It's not forever, like, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, every personality, everybody's personality is, like, very different. So, like, when did you, when did you kind of, like, be like, oh, this is something that could be cool? Yeah. Um, I was approached about doing it when I was 25. And um, I was working a, a job that was social work in, in Austin. And uh, the, the team in Austin that I rode for, like, at that point, I'd come out of being a professional athlete. And I didn't really want to hold myself to that standard anymore. I wanted mm-hmm. to do something else and try to, to serve others versus do something really selfish, like be the best athlete you can be where, where mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, like I can't do that thing. Cause I have to like stay in and sleep or whatever. Um, sacrifices like athletes make that are, that are selfish and wanted to do something else. And at some point, um, 
you know, the, the club I was riding with had volunteer opportunities that eventually got me into full-time coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, it, it was, you know, gradual steps where it was like, hey, like volunteer for this and volunteer like a bit more, or maybe you can run the registration for this thing and like, hey, can we pay you for this? Mm-hmm. And like eventually it became like supplemental income where uh, I was able to uh, stop the full-time job and make coaching my full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and were you working a full-time job when between like, so I'm assuming you graduated like 22, 23-ish mm-hmm. and then 25 is when you said you kind of stopped like full-time yeah. like athlete. Were you, yeah. were you working like a full-time job while you were uh, doing that much training or were no. you kind of like just solely focused in on solely like cycling? Solely focused in on, on, on cycling, but I did like, it didn't pay bills. Like, you know, it, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was a substitute teacher for yeah. a lot of the time that I was racing because I wasn't good enough to get a real wage out of it. Mm-hmm. So I needed to find other things um, to, to pay bills. And also, like, I had a college degree. It was yeah. something where I felt like it was selfish if I didn't use it. But, um, yeah, I, I was a substitute teacher. Where, like, there was this great option where there'd be a call every morning and you yeah. could accept, like, a half day, a full day, or just say, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that, that was a, a good solution for me that helped make it possible to do an extra year of, of bike racing. Nice. And were you racing mostly domestically, like in the U.S. or yeah. um, overseas at all? Uh, I, I did race overseas briefly. Um, it was actually like the first, like under 23, uh, like U.S. national team rider to... Yeah be like a full-time student and and try to do their program yeah so yeah i was like an ra in college and like trying to like it's a similar theme where i wear lots of hats and that was one yeah. of them it's like wow like you're an ra like you're trying not to you know, flunk out of college <laughs> yeah. and like also like do this cutthroat sport yeah um so yeah it, it did some racing over there um uh, but the the bulk of what I did after college, all of it was was in the U.S. Okay, okay, nice. And so you you rode with you rode on the U twenty three like national team and everything like that. And were you was your specialty more of like criteriums or was it more like road racing, time trials, time trials, road, time trials? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Um, it was something where um, I, I was always able to kind of like feel out the effort and mm-hmm. kind of knew the maximum pace I could just pin for. The distance of the event i yeah. credit a lot of that with um like some of the first races i did were like weeknight time trials yeah and that's something that you know hopefully comes back here uh but in austin in the past before roads got really busy there was mm-hmm. like a weeknight time trial it was oh, so nice. great where you just kind of got to learn like how hard can i go for this you know eight kilometers or you know 15 minutes or whatever it is you start to feel it out Mm-hmm. uh in, in in perfect the the craft of it nice um but yeah no, uh as a junior was uh good at time trials uh it's a kind of thing on friday nights instead of like going to hang out with friends like i'd have my bike on the trainer and i'd have an adjustable stem yeah and figure out like you know where could i you know put the limit like for each distance of a time trial oh and be able to hold it. nice um and then as a u23 um Right before and under 23 nationals, I, I did terrible in, in a road race. It was basically 
like right up the side of a volcano and back down. It was just like oh climbing up and down. Like, yeah. And not like two minute climbs. These were like 25 minutes, like repeated. And like, that, oh that's gosh. not something like suits my, yeah. <laughs> my, my physiology, <laughs> but it's like, hey, like, that's a race. I'm going to go to it. And yeah. the European director for the US national team was there, like, hey, like, I don't think I'm going to come over like for mm-hmm. this final block. He's like, I think that's a good choice. Like yeah. you should finish your degree. I think, yeah. I think that's where you should be. It's like, all right, I hear you. <laughs> and like the next day was the time trial when I smashed it with yeah. like, uh, but yeah, it's just like with that off my chest, like, Hey, I don't have to go back. I'm doing this because I want to. And this is something like, you know, um, yeah, kind of, you know, knew the course, knew the distance, knew the weather. And like also like with my starting position, I had a, you know, somebody good to uh, to be a, a guide for pacing it's like mm-hmm. if i catch this person at like you know the third lap of this time trial that's mm-hmm. probably the right pace yeah and it's impossible to catch that person yeah but um but yeah that that was the right pace and it ended up being good for that day for, for a nice that nice awesome. that's awesome that's yeah. awesome and so that was kind of like and then at that point you're like okay i'm feeling like you did one more year after college and then at that point you're like okay like i'm ready to yeah to transition essentially <laughs> to something to something a little uh, different i actually so um i did two it, it's my be my advice for anyone like trying to do an elite like level anything it's like the first year is learning um and putting those experiences to use the next year so mm-hmm. you got to give yourself like more than a year of doing that kind of thing even if it's carpentry um but the, um, but yeah, no, I did, you know, two years there and then, um, I would have liked to do more and got like a contract offer from basically what's the equivalent of like the human powered health team now, like uh, the, this like health net team that was, was $2,500 for a year. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I see the writing on the wall here and kind of like gave that offer to a friend of mine and went and was like, I'm going to go do something else now. And that yeah. was, uh, follow my plan of like come down to Austin I lived in Ohio uh but instead of training like going to go job search and mm-hmm. that was where I ended up with the social work job was um you know not that that paid a lot but it was you know <laughs> vastly more than, yeah than, than riding with uh like a continental team yeah and um I, I clearly wasn't doing it for the money I was hoping yeah. like, to follow this progression and I always in my mind's eye saw myself like hey like by the time I'm 35 I'm going to be in this you know career and then like settle into something in the bike industry I had no idea it would be with athletes as a coach yeah um at all like I, I thought it'd be the kind of thing where it's like hey like you you make a connection through whatever wheel company and you work in accounting there or something mm-hmm. like um uh, so no, it was a surprising twist where uh, I didn't realize I had a knack for connecting, like as you said, one on one with with athletes. And when did you start to realize, like that was like okay, like I like this, like this is great, like mm-hmm. and like I said, you started to kind of like make it a side gig. And then when did you like okay, like I'm ready to step away from like mm-hmm. my full time job? Because that's always a scary thing, like for yeah. in any field, like yeah. it's always a hard leap to make, you know, because yeah. you're like, well. Should I do this or should I not? Uh, 
I shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, I, I should have stayed at the job for longer. That's uh, not the response I usually get. Yeah, no, I definitely should have stayed. Uh, I, it was definitely like part of it. There, there's an organization attempting to bring a velodrome to Austin. And they're like, yeah. yeah, it's ready. We've got the funding. Like, mm. You should quit your job and, and do this. Yeah. Never saw a dime out of it. And then I was compelled to like make sure the existing athletes that I was consulting and coaching with were really happy and wanted to refer their friends. Yeah. So that's kind of where like it became more of a full-time job was where I was like, Oh, like the time that I'm putting in, uh, doing social work, like, you know, I I can do this other activity. It'll be a lot more time, but Mm -hmm. equal pay and it ended up not, not working out. But, um, kind of learned there that from my marketing, it's, it's word of mouth. It's like, all right, like if I can take care of like, you know, the six people that I'm working with and they're really happy about it. Maybe they have a friend or something and started leaning on them. Yeah. Um, to, you know, for, for referrals. And that's kind of where, um, you know, it became like the, the full-time job was where like, uh, I quit a job thinking I would, you know, help this Austin Velodrome project that sputtered. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I needed to make sure I could pay rent. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like the coaching then became like, okay, like this velodrome thing isn't going to work out. Like, mm-hmm. let's see. Oh, I got to pay something. I got to make some money. And it's like, okay, like, let's see if I can at least make it. Yeah. So it's almost like out of like uh, necessity, like to really yeah, like grow the, yeah. grow the business. No, so like the, the coaching thing came about through like one, it was volunteering and then people like, Hey, like I'm going to give you money for this because like you're putting time in it. Like, all right, like mm-hmm. maybe I should do this more. And one person became three and then six and that's kind of what it was uh, up until um, there were a few other like um, like organizations that were like, hey, like we'd like you to come on and do a thing here or there where mm-hmm. it was the same as a social worker's salary. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it pretty quickly became uh, a full-time job, but like it's a precarious one where, uh, you know, all my athletes could say like, hey, like next month's my last month. And it's yeah. like, wow you're done. And that's kind of always been, uh, something in the back of my mind is making sure that, um, you know, in, in, in speaking with people, it's like, what's your goal path? Cause like at some point, mm-hmm. like you're, you're going to get off the merry-go-round. Yeah. Um, and, and trying to, to, to make sure people understand like where, where, where they're currently at, like, and then assessing where they want to go and, and trying to get them there. And, and on my side, it's like, all right, they got there. <laughs> yeah. How much longer do they want to stay on the road? <laughs> um, but, uh, and that was another thing with, uh, to your point of like, you know, when did I figure out I really wanted to, to do something like this is when the athletes got mm-hmm. really strong and yeah. to a point where like, it's like, Hey, you're faster than me. That's great. Like, yeah. like congrats. Like this is what we want. That's um, awesome. So that was a, uh, 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 like a huge motivator was like uh, seeing people get way beyond where where they thought they could go or where I thought they could go just mm-hmm. through simple like modifications. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, not not trying to be extreme with like you just need to drink coffee for lunch and like do this many watts per kilo, but it's yeah. like, hey, like great, you have this work trip coming up. Mm-hmm. Can you can you go to the hotel gym yeah. and spend 35 minutes in the morning there. Yeah. yeah. Things like that that really made a huge difference for uh, age group athletes and um, started to get a knack working with 
folks through uh, through volunteering, then it became a job. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's, um, that's, yeah, that's super exciting to hear, like, how, like, you know, it kind of, like, builds, because, um, you know, there's always, like, people see kind of the end product, and it's like, oh, like, you have a company with, like, multiple coaches and all that sort of thing, and um, people don't realize that it's, like, it got there over, like, a 15-year, 20-year, 10-year time span, you know, Um, you just kind of see, like, oh, this looks really great, like, and, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine like where it was at, like at the beginning and like yeah. how everything like builds upon itself, you know? Um, and so with where you're at now with coaching, obviously the internet is uh, very prominent. And so like, are most of your athletes like remote or most of them in town? Did it always start like that? Or, um, has it just kind of like evolved to that over, you know, over it, the last however many years? It's been a wild ride. Yeah. That, um, yeah, currently my my mix is probably like fifty percent like local or regional, and the other fifty percent mm. regional or national. Yeah. Um, but uh, COVID made a big switch with that, where mm. uh, you know, twenty nineteen, my athlete list was you know maybe a third tops was local. Yeah. Um, but with national level events going away, and especially like uh, it, it's really changed the landscape for me where. Now a lot more folks I'm working with could be new to bike riding, and it's mm-hmm. really teaching and explaining like fundamentals. So yeah. it's been a lot different. Um, and then starting to come back to like more um, more folks I haven't seen before mm-hmm. ever, other than like looking at them on you know, their GPS or their ride data and things like that. That that's starting to come back, uh, but it's been pretty weird. Um, where my focus was more like the international level athlete and yeah. I describe like half of my athletes still right now is developmental, like somebody between mm-hmm. 15 and 30 years old that wants to be a professional athlete or they are a professional athlete. I see. And I'm starting to get close to that mix again. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of COVID, like those folks had nothing to do. Yeah. And, um, or it was a national caliber masters rider that didn't have masters nationals anymore yeah and um you know watching the pocketbook and things like that where mm-hmm. like but there were a lot of new folks that started and with population growth in austin luckily we're here and yeah there's a lot of athletes to work with so um it's been pretty nice in that i think there's really good resources in austin for uh new athletes yeah. and I, I don't view other coaches as like competition, like their colleagues, like, yes, you should talk to this other person and see if it's a fit and kind of always have a few referrals. Like, okay, like let's have a conversation, but maybe like there's other people you should talk to and see if you connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, a, a good chunk of, of my clientele is, you know, local or regional and the other chunk can be from Salt Lake city or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, in, in like, what is in, in, I mean, you don't have to pick one versus the other, but like how much different is it coaching in like figuring out the mindset of a person who's like, I don't know, say they're like me, right? Like Mm -hmm. a very, uh, they're like, Hey, I want to get more into racing. Um, and like that sort of thing versus someone, you know, that's like a national level rider. That's like 20, you know, like Mm -hmm. how much different is like kind of the, the coaching from a standpoint of like, 
figuring out motivation, goals, like that sort of thing. Like, do you think, and then the other question too is like, do you expect like someone that like, is just like kind of learning to be like, okay, this person's probably going to be on my timeline a little shorter than, you know, someone that's like, my goal is like, you know, you know, uh, crit national, U23 nationals, like, you know, I want to, I want to win the road race, you know? Yeah. Uh, man, that's a tricky one Mm -hmm. where, um, most, most athletes like you try to, to set the stage before we even get started where like setting it up where like it's a good fit and most people will be around three years to a lifetime like yeah. it's kind of like it, it, it there's like you know maybe a person a year where it's like wow like that's three or six months and that was it that was mm-hmm. uh but most of the time it's somebody that um you know they, they already have some type of regimen and like just trying to figure out like how can I get a little bit better at this thing that um is uh you know pursuit that's making me healthier yeah and you know trying to figure out like juggling juggling the balls and not dropping any um so that's where uh like another driver like with that type of person like same thing like you go to the internet like how can I find this thing? And like, mm-hmm. there's the robot of trainer road or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And that really helps. And I think that's actually been really good marketing and that like, that's a fantastic platform. Yeah. Like, you and I use it ourselves, mm-hmm. but it does also take a guiding hand sometimes. For sure. And that's where, um, somebody's looking for that extra guiding hand is kind of like, like you and I are going to get along. Like you already found like a good product, like something that, that works, but you mm-hmm. know, it could work better for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the that person needs the extra nudge um, to, to make it personalized and hey like the weather's gonna be terrible this weekend like <laughs> that <and is. laughs> my job's been a lot harder in the last two months with COVID and mm-hmm. like you know basically I've stopped doing calendars four weeks out or even two weeks out because oh, wow. like things are just so disruptive between mm-hmm. like work and you know, what events are happening or not happening and things like that where it's like really week by week and kind of checking in a lot more. That's something I had not thought about, but that makes so much sense. Like, you know, and we see it here. Like, I mean, this last month it was like, you start off with a full schedule and mm-hmm. then you're like, mm, we'll see how many people actually show up this week. Cause you know, yeah. it's just like, Hey, it ends up being, I got COVID or someone mm-hmm. from the week before was like still tested positive. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, yeah, yeah, it's just like, it's so up and down. Like you can't, I almost like, cause I usually, it's, it's funny to say that. Like I usually write out my week before on like Monday. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just right until like Wednesday. I'm yeah. like, no, we'll see on Wednesday how Thursday and Friday are. <laughs> uh, I was touch and go today for mm-hmm. like a total different reason where like just things like are always evolving but uh, my kids school yesterday the power went out and oh, it was because there was a transformer next to the school that caught on fire yeah because there was a bird's nest on it and <laughs> you know it's just like you gotta be so i thought like it, yeah. it, 10 o'clock last mm-hmm. night as of 10 at that point like there yeah. was gonna be no school today yeah um austin energy made it happen like they got yeah. out there, they put in a new transformer. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like school happened today for all these kids. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it, it's something where, um, that happens a lot right now where, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people I work with, like it, it it's really day to day on, on their schedules. If the kid gets sick or if their boss gets sick and they have to do something extra or whatever, it, it's really been a lot more work, uh, since 
Omicron on, yeah. on my side because they seemed bit, once I had like eight athletes like mm-hmm. test positive with it, I'm like I'm going to quit counting. Like this is yeah. just a thing that that's going to happen and um, competition early in the season mm-hmm. is a question mark. It could be a real mild case or something severe. Uh, these are this is for a fit population. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been a much harder start to the coaching year for me, um, just because of all the, you know, the the disruptions. Absolutely, I could I could definitely imagine. Yeah, it's um, and it's in in that sets people back. Like it could be like three or four weeks. It sets them back. Yeah. You know, depending on how sick they get. And that's something that I've been trying to like be mindful of, especially like you know, it's like hey, like you get sick, you might not get that sick, but hey, that's a week off training, a week off exactly. work, all that sort of stuff that you have to then make up for like yeah. going forward. No, and that's where I'm glad there's a Texas bike racing calendar coming up and that's yeah. actually pushed back a little bit, mm-hmm. like only two weeks, but still makes a huge difference where I think a lot more people can show up to these events, mm-hmm. but it has really affected. I tried leaning on some of like the national level teams, like, hey, like Camp in Austin be a great idea because there's always bike racing like yeah. first weekend of, of March down here. And um, rather than come to Austin, like a lot of them, are, they're going to Tucson because the weather's predictable and they need training. Yeah. And there's a stage race there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also like just kicking it just a little bit later to like, hey, we think more people are going to be healthy and uh, and safe to, to, to travel at that point versus like middle of February versus middle of March. So mm-hmm. I, I do see at this point, a lot more um, certainty that people will be able to compete like closer to May versus February. Yeah. And um, trying to uh, help <laughs> people I'm consulting with like, hey, like there's going to be a lot of uncertainty early season. Like, yeah. let's not plan on that being like the first milestone. That, that should be later on this year. Makes sense. And I think it'll be fine by the time we get to Labor Day, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but, you know, short term, a lot of people have had disruptions in their training, mm-hmm. um, but the they, they they want to be training. They they want to be like you know, doing the thing to get better, and that could be rest. Yeah. So, like, even if you're asymptomatic, like um, don't become symptomatic by going out and doing eight far west repeats tomorrow. And <laughs> like, even though you have the day off of work and you have COVID, like yeah. don't go ride, man. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, trying to to explain like force for the trees to, to, to folks sometimes um, is a it's a big chunk of what I do that's a really hard that's a really great thing to to bring up because I don't you probably see it a lot more but like I'm sure people will overtrain like if they're allowed if they like are up to their own like good or the not good I guess um, they'll just keep training and training and training and training like yeah um, and almost like run themselves in the ground because like I said force for the trees like uh, I was listening to something. It's like a lot of people will think of things in like three to four month time frames versus like two to three year time frames. Yeah. Um, do you see that a lot with people like coming in like our like you know that are starting off? It's like hey, you're doing a lot of great stuff, but we're actually gonna dial it back a little bit. Yeah, um, I had a call last week that was great where uh, you know, someone similar to yourself, where mm-hmm. a guy in Boston that he wants. To, to potentially start coaching to be good for Masters Nationals 2023. Yeah. Yeah, he's at a different age group that year and was like, hey, like, what kind of things should I be doing now to be ready for 
Masters Cycling Nationals. Like, we don't mm-hmm. know if it's going to be in Albuquerque that year or someplace else. But, like, yeah. the first thing you need to do is some mobility work. Yeah. Stay loose, not get injured, some time in the gym. Like, if you mm-hmm. can do that, that's going to set you up for, like, this goal in 17 months. Way better than knocking out you know, two Zwift races a week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, trying to, to set that long-term uh, outlook right from the start. Ask yeah. people, like, what's your short-term goal? Like, six weeks. Mid-term goal, three to six months. Long-term, like, two years plus. Yeah. And, like, within, like, a few minutes of talking with someone, really try to assess that. Like, have they thought about that that far out into the future? And with somebody, like, 15 to 30 years old, mm-hmm. like, some some folks have an answer right off the bat. Yeah. Other few folks are like, hey, like, let me write this out and think about it. Which yeah. is a great exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, there, there's a lot of people where, um, there's anxiety that goes into it and maybe do too much, or it's also lazy to do too much instead of like address other deficiencies of skills or whatever else. Like I'm just going to ride my 500 K a week and get fit. That's the lazy um, way. That is like such a, that's such a great way to describe it. Like it's lazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, like I went in that first, you know, attack of the day, Mm -hmm. um, and I took one for the team and then I, you know, then I couldn't finish the race. Like that's mm-hmm. lazy. Yeah. Like that first attack of the day wasn't going to stick anyway, but you, you knew it and went with it. Yeah. Uh, because then you could say you did something for the team and, yeah. and like trying to like, even though that person is showing they can overachieve and work hard, um, mm-hmm. they're not actually doing the thing that'll help them improve because maybe they're, they're afraid to do it or yeah. afraid of failure. And there's a lazy way where it's like, Hey, just go ride 500 K a week. That's yeah. fun. Um, like it's going to look great on Strava. Yeah. You're you know, like, like, oh man, like yeah, the person's really fit, but it's like, actually what they're not doing is moving like five liters of oxygen a minute mm-hmm. for three minutes at a time. Like they need to in a workout. Yeah. Um, to you know, be able to actually drop Colin Strickland or something. It's yeah. like, man, like th- these are the metrics you need to be hitting. Mm-hmm. And that takes uh, a lot of focus. Oh, I could have met. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Cause like, as you know, I just had a baby like four months ago and like, I've been trying to do more inter like you were kind of like interval training, like just do that. Like, mm-hmm. and like I can stay relatively fit only riding like three to four hours a week yeah. versus, you know, like again, like out that outside, not really doing that much, um, you know, and riding 14, 15 hours a week. Um, it's just like, you don't have the time. It's like, you have to be more efficient. You have to be smarter. You have to like really th- be thoughtful about like how you're spending your time. So it's like, Basically, what I'm saying is if you want to get into good shape, you should have a baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's called uh, adrenaline. Uh, that's fight or flight response. Um, so, yes. Um, y- 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 yeah. Eventually, that adrenal response yeah. will wane and you'll be on the other side of it. Yeah. So, I'd like to coach you through that part right now. If I can't yeah. Do you have a moment? Yeah. I mean, all right. So, the adrenal response is great. Like, yeah. You should definitely do all your field tests right now. Yeah. Like, whatever your weight is right now, put that on Strava and leave it yeah. there for a while. Leave it there. Because um, at some point, it'll go in the other direction. And that's where, like, looking your crystal ball mm. of, like, hey, like, by November, like, what am I doing next? Yeah. Like, when do I rest? How, like, uh, and making sure you have a time where you know to back off. Yeah. And like, that's where I failed myself as a coach is like, it's like, oh yeah, like I don't need to take this July down because like I'm fit. I've got nothing to do. I've got like childcare. Let's go mm-hmm. ride more versus like it should have been the other way around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it's really easy to 
to fall into that routine of like, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing and expect the same results. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, or men have cycles too, you know, like, yeah. mm. there's going to be times where it's like just manic and it's all fight or flight. Yeah. And then at some point, um, yeah. Yeah. As, as a new dad, it'll go the other direction. Yeah. You're so, you're so exactly right. Like it's very, it can be very manic. Cause like, I swear like every couple of days I'll go home and be like, Emily, I got to change everything. Like <laughs> we gotta, we gotta rethink everything we're doing right now. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, okay. She's like in three Enjoy days, yeah. she's like in three days when you decide again to change everything, like, yeah. let me know. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, so, it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, it's good. Yeah. And, and rest is such a big thing. Cause like, yeah, definitely. Like I think, I feel like people are like, oh, well, I just will keep doing this. I feel good. Like mm-hmm. that's something I'll just keep going. And they don't know what that is going to how that's going to affect them two, three, four months. And then again, a year or two years down the road, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Uh, where we live, it's really challenging too, mm-hmm. uh, where it's almost easier with an athlete that lives with a more moderate climate where there yeah. is an off season. In Austin, it's really different where uh, I have to actively like, encourage and recruit people to rest it's like yeah yeah, like you want to do cyclocross you want to do road racing you want to do gravel Mm -hmm. and um and run town lake three times a week it's like we at what point are are you recuperating and actually getting stronger yeah so uh yeah there's a lot of like there's a time to to do a little extra and there's a time to do a little less yeah uh depends on the person and what they want to excel at but uh, it, it's really, you know, the difference between, like, exercising and training is yeah. really different. With um, the, the athletes I'm working with, generally they're pinning on a number and trying to, to compete. And at that point, it's like, you're training, you're not exercising. Yeah. And, and trying to explain that difference. That makes a lot of sense. That's a really great way to put it, training versus exercising. Because, like, exercising, it's like you could keep exercising. But, like, training, there's such a mental and physical demand, like, that you need to be present for, mm-hmm. like, during your training that, like, if you're just kind of, like, half-assing it and, like, not really thinking about it, it's you're probably not getting as much out of it as you could. And then you probably either start seeing declines or plateaus. Whereas if you rest two or three, you know, weeks or even a week, you know, yeah. all of a sudden everything sharpens back up again. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't take a lot of time. Um and generally, like, if somebody's been doing one of these endurance sports for a little while, yeah. uh, a little time off uh, doesn't hurt. Uh, the tricky part is, like, trying to find, you know, for that type A personality. That, That's the hard thing. Yeah, you, know, you know, has a you know, full-time job, like, does a half marathon or half Ironman or whatever it is. Like, they have all these things going on. And all of a sudden, like, the curveball of, like, COVID or kids' schools closed, like, keeping them focused is, like, maybe like cook yeah chop vegetables just something Mm -hmm. else and that was a challenge for me where i uh thanks to a good friend like started riding more like and exercising more over the summer and then uh i wasn't able to in december i I fell on my bike and got a concussion just Mm -hmm. on a a a commute in town yeah it was riding to my kid's school to ride my bike home with her (laughs) and uh and it basically led to like two months where i couldn't ride and like it was a real like one like i had a headache but two like what am i doing and Mm -hmm. and it was like at that point uh it it did take kind of like leaning on like other people that have some experience in this and like everything from like what i do with my day to like what kind of things should i be eating or 
can I look out the window versus look at the computer screen? And it really changed uh, a bit for me where I finally felt like a client of these services. And um, it was great. It really helped me out a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, realizing also what a big part of sports that is, is the recuperation where we live. Like you can just exercise all you want. Training is different. Yeah. Training, like you need rest in an off season. That's really great. That's man. That's it's in, it's so true. Like the perspective we get as people that like teach people, you know, especially teach adults and older, you know, uh, adolescent, like you really get a perspective when it happens to you. Um, and it's like, Oh, like this really works for me. But like this other thing that like I was doing before, like that doesn't work. Like, um, you know, and it's like, this is good things to like, think about like, you know, as I'm, you know, explaining something to someone or educating them and like that sort of thing. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, it it was really different and kind of humbling in a way where, um, you know, I can see where like, for athletes, like half the athletes I work with are part of an organization where they have somebody to help them with this. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, like that's the value of this organization you're in. Like mm-hmm. regardless of like your pay or your results, it's also like you have this community and network around you where like they, they're invested in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It helps to have that, uh, someone to hold the people accountable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, you know, with coaching and everything like that, uh, obviously, um, I would refer to you as like fit, fitter extraordinaire, um, fitter sensei. Uh, um, uh, and so you do fits in town, which I feel like a lot of the local local folks like know you for as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have done uh, some. Well, you did the fit. I always say like we did the fit, but like you did the fit. I did the PT part, uh, but it kind of like worked hand in hand um, to kind of like loosen people up. But um, in particular with the fit that we did, you did it on a fit bike, um, which I feel like a lot of people don't know about. um, And I think it's a really great tool, um, especially for someone that is looking to get a new bike. um, Mm -hmm. Because like we talked about earlier, people don't really necessarily realize all that goes into that. Um, and then they get a bike and then it like kind of doesn't fit. And then they have like a bunch of orthopedic problems or they try to like fit a square peg into the round hole, like that sort of thing. Um, do you think like for most people like that are looking to get a new bike, is it enough for them just to be like, okay, this size is relatively about what you need. So like you should be fine or should they really be like looking into something a little bit more deeper, like before they purchase? Um, great question. So I think a lot of it depends on if they're already, if they have an existing bike, mm-hmm. likely try to, to see how well that fits them yeah. and then figure out if the fit bike is an option, depending on what kind of bike they're buying. Mm-hmm. At this point, so many bikes are, you know, integrated in a way where it makes sense to use like this device, a fit bike, where it's essentially, you know, two peers, like mm-hmm. one holds handlebars and one holds seat and they raise and lower for height. So we can simulate almost any size bicycle. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, put pedals on, on some cranks that are adjustable mm-hmm. and things like that to, to get, you know, basically the right size of everything. And once those coordinates are what we consider like perfect, like in a laboratory type sense, mm-hmm. we try to make it as good as we can in real world by like, hey, like if you're ordering, you know, this, you know, like, you know, Cannondale Super 6, like mm-hmm. this is a, the stem you want on it, how many spacers go under it, and then it's just easier, like the first time you are able to order the right size gear and tell 
your mechanics specifically where where things should go um and with um you know with most folks if they have an existing bike generally Mm -hmm. try to start there and have the conversation like hey like why are you coming in for a fit like Mm -hmm. oh this is what hurts well then maybe we should consider the fit bike yeah and that's probably about a quarter of of, of folks i'm working with Mm -hmm. should use something like that because three quarters of the folks already have like a good idea if their bike already fits like if it's the right size frame Mm -hmm. um but on a like a newbie level it's really nice having that fit bike because you just don't know until you hop on it or try various seats out and things like that it's been really cool seeing who's come into bike riding in austin since covid Mm -hmm. with like people on like absolutely the wrong size bike but they love riding their bike and like Mm -hmm. make a couple adjustments and they're like hey like this is a compromise. Like we're going to make this as good as we can, but it's a compromise because you're trying to do Ironman Texas mm-hmm. on a 2008 Scott CR1 <laughs> with the handlebars like up to a moon tower. You know, like <laughs> we're trying to just get it get it as close yeah. as we can and explain mm-hmm. the like you know if you're ever able to get a new bicycle, which is impossible. Here's, yeah. here's what you should get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and in do you find like what percentage of people that come in to see you are you making compromises for mm-hmm. their fit um, versus like people that are like, okay, this bike relatively fits you well. Like we can get it pretty much where we need to, to be. Uh, it's pretty rare where there's a, a compromise. Yeah. Like the compromise would be right now, a lot of the gravel bikes, like mm-hmm. asking the person how they're using it. Um, if it's for gravel racing versus bike packing. Mm-hmm. And if they use it for both, you might need, Two different stems. I see. You might need one that's for bike packing and one that's for gravel racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with mountain bikes. If somebody wears a pack or doesn't wear a pack, might be a, a different back angle for, yeah. for things like that. So it, it's trying to set the expectation with the person, like, how are you using this bike? Or are you using yeah. it lots of different ways? And you should probably have it, like, we can set it up in a position that's good for both mm-hmm. or, like, excellent, but it needs a modification between your two different ways of using it. Yeah. So personally, like, my gravel bike is basically a drop bar rigid mountain bike mm-hmm. and I have a stem for that versus if it's just doing a gravel road ride, totally different. That's closer to my road bike versus trying to, to steer the thing on a trail through trees. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of like depending on, depending on the situation, depending on the context, like someone's bike might be more set up for one way that they're riding, but not yet another way. Yeah. Um, and so that's good to hear. And, and, you know, and, and I could imagine like, most people like, you know, they go in, they get a bike and then they're like, okay, like, I think this fits right. I think it doesn't. Um, is there anything you would say to people like, Hey, like when you're riding a bike, like generally, like you shouldn't feel any pain or like, Mm -hmm. Hey, generally like you might have a little bit of like some, you know, some irritation after eight hours. Like, cause I know, cause a lot of people will assume pain is normal, you know, just from a day to day, from my perspective, someone's like, oh yeah, I just always have pain when I'm sitting mm-hmm. um, or I always have pain when I'm lifting. And it's like, okay, like mm-hmm. there's probably a reason for that. Um, do you find that like people assume that that is natural or um, do you think that like um, for the most part, people are like, oh, I'm having pain when I'm riding. This is wrong. I probably need to fit. It's the latter. Yeah. More, mm-hmm. more often than not, like somebody has pain and that's why they want to come in mm-hmm. and try to address it. Um, you know, pressure on hands and seat is not a normal thing we weren't yeah. as humans designed for it so trying to make it as comfortable as possible is yeah. important 
I can't promise like a pain-free ride, mm -hmm. but if somebody's coming in for specific pain, generally like uh, we address that with, mm -hmm. with the bike fit, but also like really like the, for the right person, it's still probably, um, for the person that is like doing the extra things and they're mm -hmm. trying to stay loose and it's like, Hey, maybe you're staying too loose and you need to see the physical therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there might be something overactive or underactive. Yeah. And, um, and that's a tricky thing is that we all get dialed into our, our metrics and how far we're going. And that's like how we assess if we're actually improving versus like, can you stand on like one foot and you know, you know touch your nose, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, that, uh, you know, for a, a lot of folks, we just, we, we look at the same charts over and over and it's like, Hey, like this is increasing. You must be getting better versus like, Hey, like, can, can you also like move a wheelbarrow around or yeah. whatever, just other motion ranges, ranges of motion that, um, I, I think a lot of like the people, I, the population I'm working with, triathletes and, and, and cyclists, like we, we forget some of the other motions. And yeah. I, I think, um, thanks to social media, a lot of mm -hmm. athletes are getting clued into like, Hey, like there's other things you can do that will incrementally add up to a big performance boost for sure for sure it's people get so narrow in like their scope where they're just like mm -hmm. they're very good at one thing and then they try to go outside of that and then it's like that's when like no. necessarily a disaster but like things start to fall apart yeah you know then so it's like becoming a little bit more making sure people are a little more resilient yeah it sounds and, like. and especially from a young age where yeah. um it, it's very important that young athletes come from like they they're experienced to like a multitude of sports and take mm -hmm. all the skills from soccer to the velodrome and, yeah. and back the other way around uh where uh i'm really nervous for a lot of riders in our area that that are young because you can ride 12 months a year here you're not forced to do anything else and learn other skills mm -hmm. where they might be a lot better of an athlete in five years if they had to play some hockey whatever else like to, to learn some other skills that could come back over to the bike yeah and in texas we're, we're not encouraged to do that we were like hey like if you're not doing your 500k a week like every other lazy cyclist on strava mm -hmm. you're not you're not keeping up and it's like yeah actually like you know doing these other skills could make you a bigger threat in the final 200 meters yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense it is get to be like kind of a keeping up with the joneses sort of thing like you're like mm -hmm. oh shit all these people are riding 15 hours a week and it's like yeah am I doing enough? Am I riding enough? And like yeah. that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. And, yeah. and so when we talk about like PT and fitting and that sort of stuff. So we kind of started to kind of like develop this to where, um, we're kind of doing a little bit of both at one time, um, which I think is really great. Um, because as I think we've talked about before is like, we see a lot of people with those like asymmetries, like especially on the bike and some of that can be fit. And then some of that could be body. Yeah. Um, so what we started to do was I will treat them for about an hour, hour and a half, you know, make sure they're like loose and relatively neutral. Um, and when I always say that, I tell people it's like, you're free without compensation to move right to left with like no issues. Um, and then you get them on the bike and like dial them in really well. Um, and it seemed to work pretty well, like pretty great. Yeah. The first, the first time we've done it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, um, no, I have, uh, somebody traveling in this week for a bike fit where they're like, Oh, this is perfect that you can get me in at that time because mm -hmm. that way I can, you know, get straight there. I don't need a hotel and get straight out. And it's like, wait a second. Like yeah. you're going to be 
tighter wound than a pretzel from like just you, you, when are you going to ride before I actually see you or work out and mm-hmm. it, it's that step of making sure the person is as loose as they could reasonably be mm-hmm. for this bike fit like they would be before a peak competition yeah um, so yeah the, the more flexible like the the athlete is the, the better the results will be in, in a bike fit um, so that's been some of what worked out so well with, with you like mm-hmm. working um in, in december was you know, somebody specifically like traveling in it's like hey like they're going to be planes trains and automobiles for 24 hours before this and and, and not that loose and it really it, it took that extra step i think to make sure they could get comfortable on the fit bike and they knew all they they forgot their bike clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, did, did yeah. Not bring bike clothes. Uh, they did bring their shoes. Luckily, I think they brought their own pedals. It might have been my pedals, but yeah, like basically, it's like, hey, like uh, if you can bring your shoes, like I can give you bike clothes and we can put yeah. a seat on and try mm-hmm. some things out. Yeah. But uh, but no, like try to let like generally in in a bike fit, uh, people ride about like it. it like my garden variety sort of like 90 minute session or so mm-hmm. about 12 or 14 K people arrive. And I really yeah. try to get the person like, as soon as I can figure out a few things with their, their feet and shoes, mm-hmm. try to get them on the bike and loose just yeah. to watch them ride and let them ride a little bit. And like, but generally like pedal a lot and it mm-hmm. doesn't need to be too hard off the gate, but just try to get the person loose. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause people are wound up, they're tight. They're, they're even more ingrained in their patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, if anybody is in need of coaching, uh, Dorada training, if anybody's in need of bike fits, do they go through Dorada training yep, as well? Yeah. 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 I couldn't remember if it was, if it was separate or not, but, um, I can't highly recommend David enough. He's, you know, super nice guy. Like, uh, his knowledge base is insane. Like it really is like, it's wild to hear yeah. you say because I, yeah. man, I just talk about bikes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. It's, uh, yeah. When I watched you do the fit a couple months ago, I was like, holy shit. Like this is like, I'm like his, I'm like, you're just on another level. So highly recommend, highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, but yeah, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks Anthony. I really appreciate your service here and look forward to, to working with you again, uh, real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, I wanted to thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to help support the podcast, take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Eastside Movement Co. To stay up to date on all the latest from us, sign up for our newsletter on our website, eastsidemovement.com, or give us a follow on Instagram at Eastside Movement Co. Thank you again for listening. Mm-hmm.